Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. Understand what he's saying. He said, I want you to stir up that gift that's within you. I want you to go back and recognize the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You've been endowed with power from on high. There is no name on the earth greater than the name of Jesus. There is no power greater than the power of Jesus. We are a people of an unshakable God. He said, stand in the middle of the blood covenant. Stand until the the blood of Jesus goes up over your feet, your, your ankles, your knees, your thighs, your heart, your head. Stand in the place of power and authority. Stand knowing that God brought you here and he'll bring you through it. Stand confessing his word. Do something. What we believe drives the choices we make. But sometimes our faith and our beliefs can be shaken. In those times, it's extremely important that we stir up our faith. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on what you believe and continues to focus on how we can stir up our faith. All right, I'm going to talk to you about what you believe. Because what we believe determines our actions. Turn turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to do what I believe in. And so... We want to be a people that, uh, of action, not just a people of mouthing. Does that make sense to you? So we want to take actions on what we believe. But you've got to know what you believe to start off with. A lot of people don't even know what they believe. You ask them if they're a Christian, and they'll say, yeah, they're a Christian. But all they know about that is that at some point in time, they believed in Jesus. They don't know what it means to live the life. They don't, know, they don't know anything about the power or the love of Jesus. They just know what mom and daddy told them. And unfortunately, that's not going to do a whole lot of good. And so there are times that we need to be stirred up in our faith. And in order to be stirred up, you got to know what you, what you believe, because if not, you can be shaken. Anybody here ever been shaken? Amen. I've been shaken a few times in my life. I have been shaken, and then there's other times that I've just grown kind of lukewarm and just kind of uh, walked away. That's one of my biggest concerns about people not coming back to church is the fact that it gets easier and easier just to walk away uh, from, from the church. And it's not the church so much I'm concerned about is they begin to walk away from Jesus. And that's the, that is the concern. We just don't need to walk away from Jesus. So when things start happening and we start, we need to, to rekindle the fire that's within us, we have to know how to do that. And what we believe is essential to being able to do that. I've told you this before, but I want to tell you it again. When the priest built the altar for God, God lit a fire on the altar. Now, what we've been doing in the church is we've been saying, God, relight the fire, God, relight the fire, God, relight the fire. And God said, that's not what my word says. God said, I will light the fire, but you must keep it burning. He told the priests they'd have to keep it burning. And so what we do is we look for outside stimulation in order to keep the fire burning. And God said, you don't need outside stimulation. You need to let the Holy Spirit awaken inside of you and know that he's there and he will begin to stir you as you begin to release him to do the work that he wants to do. Am I making sense to you? 
All right, so that's where I want to go to is I want you to be able to stir yourself up. This comes out of 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul said, wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Things, it sounds to me like Timothy was getting discouraged, that things weren't going exactly the way he thought they should be going. Uh, and so Paul is just sending a letter of encouragement, and he didn't say, go see, go see anybody. He said, remember Remember and stir up the gift, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I hope, I hope you've not been fearful in this pandemic. If this pandemic scared you, hold on to your seat. It's going to get worse, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing because the Bible says when evil wax darker and darker, the glory of God will get brighter and brighter, and this is all about Jesus. And just in case you don't know, we win. We don't lose, we win. Yeah, come on, give God praise. It's kind of like watching, Sue likes to rewatch the national championship when Clemson won, not last year when Clemson lost, but the year before when Clemson beat Alabama. And she watches it and watches it and watches it, and, and she still fusses about the, all the calls and everything else. But can I tell you, it's a whole lot easier the second time and the third time and the fourth time. You know why? Because before it ever starts, you know, Clemson is going to win that football game. Amen. And so that's the way it is in this life. Understand you're going to win. You win. And so what we've tried to do is we've tried to bring the kingdom into a fleshly lifestyle and understanding. And God said, you've got to have a different mindset. You've got to have the mindset of the kingdom, not the mindset of the world. Things in this world are going to go to hell in a handbasket. Excuse me, but that's just what it says. It's going to fall apart. It's going to decay. All these monuments that men have built to themselves, they're going to rot and fall over. They, find, they think they will find some kind of, of eternal lasting because they built these monuments to themselves. It's not worth anything. It all decays. Only what God has built will last for eternity. Amen? The Bible says he's coming to bring a new heaven and a new earth. He's going to all things will be new. Everything will be new. So he says, get into the fact that you've got a sound mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's an unshakable place. How many know the kingdom of God is an unshakable realm? That's why we can't play with things in the kingdom. We need to understand we've been called to a place that's unshakable. How many of us want a faith that's unshakable? The only place that can be obtained is in the place of his presence. And his presence is centered in the kingdom. And so we have to be a kingdom people. But he said, stir up that gift. It means to rekindle, light it up again. You know, there's a fire burning in, in, in all of us. It may be just the embers. It, you might not even be able to see the red glow anymore. I threw a... a, a paper box in my burn barrel the other day and my burn barrel was it you know it was out about 10 minutes later I came by and guess what that thing was blazing up and it's burning like you could not believe well, that's what God says is there's still a fire inside of you it may some of it may have grown cold but he said it doesn't make any difference if you let the Holy Spirit just begin to blow on those on those embers that it won't be long until it becomes fire again but you got to get in the presence of of God in order to do that. You've got to stay in his presence. You've got to make time for the Holy Spirit. And so he says, stir yourself up, Timothy. Stir yourself up. He's not giving you any kind of spirit of fear. He said, I want you to think about the gift that you got when I laid my hands on you. Well, what gift was that? 
In Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's reminding Timothy that he was clothed in power. When Paul laid his hands on him, he was clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift that Paul is referring to is the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many of you have the gift of the Holy Ghost? Amen. If you got the gift of the Holy Ghost, you got the fire of God right there inside of you. And, the, and, and, and Paul is exhorting Timothy to stir it up. We need to be exhorted to stir it up. In Acts 8.14, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. Boy, that's a controversial scripture, isn't it? Very controversial. If they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, that means they had called on Jesus. They had asked for forgiveness. They had declared openly and unashamedly their loyalty to Jesus. You see, that's what that baptism is all about. They had renounced all other forms of faith. Come on. Are you, you see where I'm going? He said, but as of yet, they had not, the, fall, the Holy Spirit had not fallen on any of them. Then they laid their hands, the they being Peter and John, they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me the power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. What I wanted to get to with that was not so much the, the, what Simon was trying to do, but I wanted you to understand what Paul was telling Timothy. Paul says, the gift that you receive through the laying on of hands. Because sometimes we go back and we think it's the gifts of the Spirit. No, it was the gift of the Spirit. Understand what he's saying. He said, I want you to stir up that gift that's within you. I want you to go back and recognize the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Come on, you've got to grab hold of this idea that, that you've, been, you've been endowed with power from on high. There is no name on the earth greater than the name of Jesus. There is no power greater than the power of Jesus. We are a people of an unshakable God. He cannot be shaken. Yeah, that's where our footing is supposed to be. So the first step in, in stirring up the gift is to believe that you have favor and are filled and blessed with the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, that means you can't walk around in the mully grubs in the self-pity part. How many of you have ever been in self-pity mode? Amen. My mom used to tell me every once in a while, she said, I'm just going to go eat worms and die. And I said, Mama, that's a pity party. She said, I know, and I'm wallowing in the mud, and that's where I want to stay for a while, okay? Some of us just want to wallow in that mess for a while. I don't like being in that mess. I tell you, that's a kind of a depressing place. And so we don't want to be in that place. We want to be in the place of understanding who we are. We want to be in the place of knowing that we have favor. We have favor in God. All right, do you have favor? Do you recognize when the favor of God has moved on you and in you? Listen, it's so incredible. I was fishing the other day and I had caught a couple of fish and I was having a good time. I wasn't staying out there real long. And I just had this thought. And I said, you know something, when I, was, when I was about 15, 16, I used to catch every once in a while a two or three pounder. I never caught anything like Bobby and them catch, those big old 10, 12, 15 pounders. 
but I, I catch a two or three pounder. Most of them I caught were around a pound. I said, man, that sure would be nice. About that time, something hit that line. I said, uh-oh, look here. I missed it. I threw it right back out in the same spot. And this time I didn't even feel it. I just pulled back and it hit, hit it again. And I pulled him in as a little three-pound, four-pound bass. I thought, look at here, God. Now, I want you to know, what I did next was I said, God, that was you. That was you. You just gave me favor and let me laugh like I was a kid again. Come on. Come on. Amen. You see what I'm saying? It's in the simplest little things that happen to us. And we go say, I'm living under favor. I'm living under the favor of Almighty God. And so I believe I'm living under the favor. I believe I'm blessed. you know why I believe I'm blessed? Every day I get down and I say, God, I'm blessed. And I start naming the blessings. It used to be an old song I remember growing up. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. We don't count our blessings anymore. We count our wants. I want this and I want that. And as soon as we get this one want, we got another want. And as soon as we get that want, we got another want. And as soon as we get that, we got another one. As soon as we get that, we got another one. Oh, come on. Y'all look at me like y'all so holy. That ain't the truth. You don't hardly have to get one car till you want another one, you know? I, we just want one that'll run all the time, don't y'all? Amen. And so what we want to do, though, is we want to understand that we are blessed, that we walk in the blessings, that we have favor with God, that we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. How many times do you remind yourself every day, Holy Spirit, you're right here. You live with me. I've had to repent from time to time in my life, places I took the Holy Spirit. How about you? Do you even realize that you've taken him some places he probably ought not be going? Let me just go on. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. Man, you better get your eyes fixed on Jesus because people will disappoint you. You know, those little kids that, man, you just, you'd give your life for. You'd do anything for. They're going to disappoint you from time to time. Ah, oh, come on now. Y'all act like y'all kid ain't never disappointed you. Well, mine have disappointed me from time to time. But if I go back and remember I'm blessed and I realize God's got this, guess what? I don't have to stay in that place of focusing on where they're at. Most of the time when I get discouraged about where my children are, God reminds me of where I was. How about you? Was he, were you in a place when he saved you? Yeah. Most of us were. Most of us had done a few things we probably were not real happy with ourselves about when he showed up. We wanted to hide from him, but instead we gave our lives to him. And so he said, lay it aside and keep your eyes on Jesus. And so believe you have favor. Then conf confess what you believe. What do you believe? What do you believe? I believe the Holy Spirit abides in me. I believe I have power, love, and a sound mind. I believe that God will never leave me nor forsake me. I believe that the only thing I need is the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that God will see me through. He didn't bring me here to let me down. He brought me here and he's going to take me to the other side. I believe that no matter what the circumstances of life are, God is right there with me. And if I make bad decisions, I may have some consequences to that, but it doesn't make any difference. My God will still love me. My God will still take care of me. My God will discipline me and my God will bring me back up. 
I believe that my God is transforming me into the image and likeness of Christ. I believe that I was put here on the earth to bring him glory and honor and praise. I believe that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I believe that the blood of Jesus is greater than anything on the planet. Come on, come on. What do you believe? What do you believe? I dare you to sit down and start talking about that stuff and stay in the mully grubs. How, do you, how can you stay there? My daddy used to, to, to do motivational schools, and he would say, you know, if you're not excited, so just wiggle your toes 10 times and say, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. And you know the crazy thing is? You'd start getting excited. No reason, but you'd get excited. Well, when we start rehearsing who Jesus is and who God the Father is and what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of us and what he's doing in the earth, Woo-wee. I hear a whole lot of talk about coronavirus. I want to talk about the Holy Ghost virus that's going on. Amen? I want to talk about the people that are getting saved, filled, delivered, set free. I want to talk about what Jesus is doing. That while this shaking is going on, people will have the opportunity to either choose Christ or choose fear. The power that raises up the Antichrist is the power of choice that chooses fear. It's the spirit of fear. I said this 22 years ago. As a matter of fact, the Lord's been showing me stuff that that he showed me 22 years ago that started coming to pass, one by one by one. And I'm so excited because part of what he showed me was a revival. And so I know that that revival's coming. But these things are coming to pass. 20-something years ago, the Lord said people will begin to trade their their, uh, freedom for security. And all of a sudden, I'm watching, and I'm going, not in America, not in the United States of America. Not only are they trading it, they are begging people to take it. Just make me feel safe. Just make me feel safe. Make sure that I have food on my table. Make sure that I have a roof over my house. I just told you, though, they go from want to want to want. Everybody has that thing. They'll not be satisfied. We have to know who we are. We have to confess what we believe. We have to understand that no matter what's going on in the earth, Jesus is still Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Amen. Step two is to confess what you believe. In order to do that, you need to write it down, rehearse it daily, meditate on it, and speak it out loud. Let me say that again. Write it down, rehearse it daily, meditate on it, and speak it out loud. You know, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, like people that are on medication, they're supposed to take every day. And they just decide, hey, I'll take this this week, and I'll wait two or three weeks, and I'll take it, and, or I'll take it a month from now. You know, it really doesn't do you any good. You might well flush the pills. That's the same thing with the power of confession, the, confessing the word of the Lord. If you don't confess it every day, man, the first thing you know, it's overwhelmed. The word of the Lord gets overwhelmed by the circumstances in life itself. And the next thing you know, you're entangled with what the world wants you to be entangled with, and your eyes are no longer on Jesus, but your eyes are on the things that are happening on the earth. And the Bible said, I've not called you to be seated in earthly places. I've called you to be seated in heavenly places. I have called you to be able to see from above and not from below. And if we keep looking from below, we will do nothing to change what's going on. Step three is to pray in the Spirit continually. So I make this confession and then I cover it in the Spirit. Why do I want to pray in the Spirit? Because I don't know how I ought to pray all the time. I read stuff on Facebook all the time. It says, pray this, pray this, pray this, pray this, pray this. And it sounds good to my ear, but I'm not sure God's saying any of that. 
See, we think as long as it sounds good, we ought to pray it. I'm telling you, that's not true. What if you're praying against something God's wanting to happen? We are presumptive in our place. And so God's saying, stir it up, Timothy. Quit being presumptive about how things are going to happen. Quit being presumptive about what you're going to do. And he's telling us the same thing. Quit assuming what I'm trying to do in the earth and start talking to me about it. And if you don't know how to talk to me, the Spirit does. And so allow the Spirit of God to stir you up. It's the only place in the Scripture that said it was set aside for you, for your edification, for me, for my edification, so that I can be stirred up inside. So if I want to get, I want to stir up the Holy Spirit, I just release Him. And I do that through my prayer language. And I do that, I do that every day. I'm doing it more now that I've been preaching about it, and I'm thankful for that. I like that. I got out of the habit too, just like some of you have gotten out of the habit. When you first got a hold of it, it was great. Then you let it go. But I want to tell you, pray in the Spirit. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Why do you guess he did that? Well, probably because he was facing more stuff than everybody else. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but every time I think about Paul's introduction to Jesus, I think, Lord, I don't know whether I'd have accepted you or not. First thing he does, he strikes him blind. Second thing he does, he hauls him off. Now, that couldn't be God. Well, go back and read the book. Go back and read Acts chapter 9, and you'll find on, on a street called Straight that Jesus showed up. And, and the funny thing was, Paul knew who he was. Paul knew who he was. And he goes, and then he gets prayed for. And he tells Ananias, he said, go pray for him that his sight will be occurring. And then tell him what he's got to suffer. What? Ain't that the way y'all get people to Jesus? You go up and say, now listen, if you come into the kingdom, you're going to suffer. Man, you're going to get beat, shipwrecked, bitten by snakes. People are going to hate you, throw rocks at you, but you need Jesus. I don't know about you, but that wasn't the way I was introduced to Jesus. Not at all. Paul says, I pray in tongues more than you all. Step four, taking communion. You don't have to be at church to take communion. You can receive communion. It's not about the juice and the crackers. It's not about, not about changing that, that grape juice into wine or changing it into the blood. It's about remembering what that's all about. It's about understanding what Jesus did and the commitment that he's made to you. It's realizing that you've been redeemed from the curse. I'm no longer under the curse. And now... I live in his favor. It's recognizing that you're a chosen vessel of his manifest glory. Most of us walk around like we're not that chosen vessel. You know, there was a, there, there, there was a time when you went, I'm just scum. No, you're not. You may have been scum, but the minute the Holy Spirit came and abided in you, you became the temple of the Holy Ghost, and God doesn't abide in scum. He abides in glory, and he wants to release that glory. Does that make sense to you? All right, quit condemning yourself. We want to recognize what the slug that we were. That's okay, but you're no longer a slug. You're a spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost-empowered believer of God. Amen? It's realizing you've been redeemed from the curse. It's recognizing that you're chosen. The next step was exuberant worship, and I reminded you about, about what the uh, David said, David told his uh, first wife, he says, Michael, I'm going to become more undignified than this. Well, people might just get to talking about you. I hope they do. I hope they do. Who do you care what they think? 
Yours is not to be dignified. Yours is to worship, passionate worship. However that passion arises in you. It can be through tears. It can be through the dance. It can be through flags. It can be, I don't care. I, I don't care. But I'm telling you, we have to be exuberant in our worship. Psalm 98. He said, he has, verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joy a song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. He said, let everything praise the Lord. Why did he say praise him? Because he's going to give me what he wants. No, he said praise him because he's going to bring justice and equity in the earth. Not politicians. They can't bring justice and equity. Only Jesus can bring justice and equity. My sixth step is do something. Daddy, you say, I don't care if it's wrong. Just do something. You know, we, we, we're, we're called to this place. James 4 says, says, submit yourself. You know how you submit yourself? You got to do it. You keep saying, Lord, I want you to do it. God said, you do it. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He's telling you, do something. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Humble yourself. Don't go in there with arrogance. Go in there with humility and say, God, I know I've screwed it up. Or God, I know I'm in a bad place. Or God, I just want to worship you. But you go in there understanding he's God and you're not. You're not going in there and telling God what to do. You're going in there and submitting to him. The reason we pray is because that's an act of humility. The reason we kneel is because that's an act of submission. The reason that we do a lot of those things is because we want to recognize that he's God and we're not and we need to humble ourselves. When I was in Brazil... Before the pastors would pray, they would tell the people, you kneel down before I pray for you. Kneel down, not before me, kneel down before the Lord. Kneel down before the Lord and invite him in in, in all humility. And so we have to learn this place of kneeling before the Lord to become humble before him. Do something. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith it's impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God, wait now, whoever would draw near to God, who's he putting the onus on? Me. I have to draw near to God. The Bible said if I'll draw near to God, he'll draw near to me. If I'll draw near to him. So draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. He goes on and says, God, if you want to draw near, you've got to believe that God is, that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Not those who just say, I'm a Christian. Those who seek him, diligently seek him, do something. Luke 6, 27. Let me give you something else to do. This is, these are not suggestions, by the way. Do something. But I say to you who hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. 
Give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. And you wish that others would do, and, and, and as you do, wish that others would do to you, do so to them. These are things to do. Can I tell you where I stand on this idea of shooting people that want to take my food? This idea of killing people that want my house or my stuff. I stand with Jesus. And Jesus didn't say shoot them. He said, give it to them. It's not the American way. That's the kingdom. You hear what I'm telling you? You might not like what I'm telling you, but I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. He says, give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Wow. Wow. I don't know about y'all, but I got a lot of growing up to do. Everybody said, end times, end times, end times. I just told you the days of Noah were violent. What are you going to do? You're going to overcome their violence with your violence? The Bible clearly says the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. But he's talking about violent in the spirit. So when they take your stuff, you get violent in the spirit. And you tell them, you can have my stuff, but you're going to have Jesus when you leave here too. Do y'all really think it would be really cool to kill somebody? I, I don't. I just don't think it would be too good. Now, that's my stuff. Don't ask me about my wife. Romans 12, 11, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Holy moly. Be patient in tribulation. Mm. We need to do something. And he says, these are the things that you do. He gives us direction and instruction. Everybody says, I want an instruction book. Well, here are the instructions. The Bible said, having, all do, having done everything you can to stand, stand. And so we just say, okay, I'm just going to stand here, God, till you do something. No. He said, stand in the middle of the blood covenant. Stand until the, the blood of Jesus goes up over your feet, your, your ankles, your knees, your thighs, your heart, your head. Stand in the place of power and authority. Stand knowing that God brought you here and he'll bring you through it. Stand confessing his word. Do something. And step seven, when you get ready to stir yourself up, just remember this, God's got this. God's got this. None of this catch anybody by surprise. He's got it. And with him, nothing is impossible. Mm, turn to somebody and say, nothing's impossible with God. We're limited. We limit God right here. God's an unlimited God. We call on him. Let me read 1 Peter 1.3, and then I'm going to close. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He said, man, we're just going to give praise to God because we have hope. Hope is an expectation. Hope is an understanding. Hope is not being anchored to this earth. Hope is being anchored in Christ, in Christ alone. Am I making any sense to you? It's being anchored to him, never letting go of him because he's never going to let go of you. He tells us to be anchored in there. He says, 
He allowed us to be born again because of his grace to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, trials, so that the, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God's got this. He's got everything planned out. You know, we get disgruntled with the the way things are in the earth. We get disgruntled because things that are in our schools aren't going good and things in our work aren't going good and things in our, our, uh, you know, we we get upset because they don't have peaches at, at Kroger. I'm telling you. I'm just telling you the truth. You do realize most of the people on the earth don't know what a buffet is. We get upset and we think we're going through tribulation because we can't get toilet paper. The salvation of our soul has been secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. That's right. We are taken care of. God will not fail us. He said it doesn't make any difference. He tells us in this world you will have tribulation. Wait, what? In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Over and over and over and over and over again, he talks about stirring yourself up. And you know how you really, when you sum all this up, it's rejoicing in God and what God has done for us already. Not what he's going to do, what he's already done. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, and He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.